The Inland Empire of Washington State is an exciting place to be. Hammers are swinging, cranes are craning, machines are buzzing, robots are learning, and the region is full of life. Welcome to the Irons in the Fire podcast, a show exploring the many exciting and innovative businesses that drive and promote our local economy here in Spokane, Washington, and beyond. So lean in, because you're going to hear some valuable and behind-the-scenes insights from some of the area's top manufacturing companies, aerospace companies, and some of the best business minds in the region. Together, we're putting more irons in the fire. Well, folks, thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Irons in the Fire podcast. I'm your host, James Krejci. And this is season two of the podcast, so super excited about that. It means that uh, season one went okay, and we're uh, looking to move forward with another season. So no better way to do that than to kick off here with the, our guest today, Dean Cameron, who's the CEO and president of Top Drawer Media. He let me in with all of my audio equipment this afternoon, and I cornered him, and now we're here recording. So Dean, thanks for joining me today on Irons in the Fire. Well, thanks for having me, James. Appreciate it very much. So for you listeners out there who haven't yet heard of Top Drawer Media, you might be thinking to yourself, a media company on a manufacturing and aerospace podcast? What's this about? So let me give you a quick overview of Top Drawer Media. This isn't just any media company. They're publishers of two incredible magazines in the area, one of which focuses on the cluster of aerospace companies right here in the Pacific Northwest. The name of the magazine is Northwest Aerospace News. Now, I'm going to have all of you pause here for a second. I want to put a plug in for, for the magazine. He, you can head out to the App Store and search Northwest Aerospace News. And then once the app is downloaded, open it up and click on Subscribe Free. And then that way you can receive not only electronic copies, but you also receive a, a hard copy of each of the issues. Did I get that right, Dean? That's correct. Absolutely. So, Dean... <coughs> You aren't just a publisher who one day decided to produce a magazine about aerospace. Walk us through your career experience and how that progressed from uh, maybe where your career was and then how you landed here in the in the uh, media world. Well, we won't go back too many eons, but uh, <laughs> uh, my background has been in manufacturing for several decades, we'll say. Uh, but uh, uh, for the past 28 years, uh, I was the national sales manager for an aerospace manufacturing company. So we got the opportunity to travel around the world, meet with some of the larger, uh, both from an OEM and tier one standpoint. Uh, and so uh, it gave me a lot of insight to how the market works, uh, how businesses communicate with each other or the lack thereof. And uh, uh, so that was, uh, in my travels, I would find that, uh, let me take a step back. The aerospace industry right now is uber busy, and there are very definite stiff penalties for late deliveries and, and issues like that. So uh, one of the things that uh, we learned uh, was that, you know, while we were always on time, my customers didn't always have suppliers that were on time. And so they would always ask me, well, do you know somebody? Do you know somebody that ha has this process or that process? Mm -hmm. and, which we did. And it was the genesis for Northwest Aerospace News. I could see that they were so busy, they didn't have the time to properly source 
new suppliers and the suppliers you know would go to a trade show and spend a whole bunch of money and get 30 business cards where three of them are an actual lead and they didn't really have a way into uh, a lot of these companies that could use their services so we're kind of unique in that space uh, we represent uh, and our content is uh, manufacturing for the Pacific Northwest aerospace industry, but our distribution is both national in print and international digitally. And so uh, it's a very broad reach for that segment of the market. Awesome. Well, and I've heard stories about, you know, when, when Boeing has a delay in one of their projects, for example, because of a part that they're waiting on, that it can be, you know, a million dollars a day, for example. And so Exactly. Yeah. Uh, in many cases, uh, for example, a company that manufactures the seating in the interiors, they'll have a contract to do so many ship sets of that product. A late delivery is and has been in many cases a million dollar a day late penalty for late delivery. So I used to receive many a three o'clock in the morning phone call from a freaked out general manager uh, begging us to get something done by Friday and it was Wednesday afternoon. So uh, that's the aerospace industry. It's it's very busy. We see a lot of it on TV. We see, you know, Boeing on the 737 going from 35 ship sets a month to 56 ship sets a month. Um, wow. And that's, you know, there's millions of parts on that plane. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine the stress and the demand on the suppliers to ramp up in that you know, that quick of a fashion. Well, so in the, the work that you've done to connect, you know, companies like that to maybe some, some of the smaller aerospace companies around here, for example, um, just gives them more options in those cases where maybe something's late and their current supplier can't handle it. And so they, they contact somebody that you've connected them with. Exactly, over the years. exactly. So that's the, uh, the model for Northwest Aerospace News is we want to be a, a conduit a conduit that goes both directions. It's not only promoting the supply base to the OEMs and, and the tier one manufacturers, but it's also a resource for the OEMs and the tier ones to learn about and find companies that they need mm -hmm. uh, without having to send somebody on an airplane because, you know, go check these guys out or, or whomever, uh, because that takes a lot of time. A lot of times I would get f uh, emails, excuse me, emails from people on the East Coast at 10 or 11 o'clock at night Pacific Standard Time. So they're working in their office at one and two in the morning to fulfill <laughs> a project. It's that important. Wow. So just to take a step back, I believe you and I, when we first met, you, you talked about catching the airplane and aerospace bug when you were pretty, pretty young in life. So how did that all come about? How did you catch the bug? Oh, gosh. So yeah, I was that kid that built the models and I had hung them from my ceiling in my bedroom and uh, there wasn't a whole lot of logic to it. I'd have a F-111 dive bombing a P-51, uh, <laughs> but it, uh, uh, you know, it just, there was a fascination with, with aircraft, with aerospace. And uh, to this day, and you know, I'm not alone. That's one of the things in this industry is that the, uh, the people that work in the aerospace industry uh, have a fascination with the aircraft more so than other uh, jobs. I think you and I were talking. I mean, if somebody's in the medical equipment manufacturing industry, they're not ooing and aahing over some new, you know, ultrasound machine. Right. You know, they're 
in the aerospace industry, I mean, people are ooing and aahing over the new aircraft or the military aircraft or what's mm -hmm. going on with drone technology or new space technology. It's definitely a career that you can become absorbed in. There's a special connection between the passion and the, Correct. the job. Yeah. So, and you're basically living the dream right now. I mean, you're working full time, very successfully in the passion of yours and that that is aerospace and um talk about how that feels well it is uh, uh fulfilling because uh you know for almost 30 years i worked side by side with these people and to now be able to tell their stories to be able to share what they do that's significant to the marketplace and to help them find new opportunities uh, is extremely exciting and fortunately uh, you know our model we only write about uh, Pacific Northwest manufacturers uh, the reach is uh, both national and international uh, we distribute about 5400 magazines uh, print magazines to engaged aerospace professionals in the United States incredible uh, the last I checked on our uh, uh, metrics on our website the magazine has been read over 84,000 times in the past year wow. online. And so we know that that visibility is taking place, that connection's taking place. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's extremely exciting. And, you know, we offer some things that are unique and different. Uh, as a trade magazine, I used to receive a lot of trade magazines. To be honest, sometimes some of them would never make it out of the plastic bag <laughs> and i didn't didn't want to be that kind of a product i didn't want to be a me too that was bragging about just our distribution i wanted it to be a magazine that people looked forward to receiving and that they would read and so along with what we were talking about with the you know engaged aerospace professionals having a passion for aircraft we have uh created a magazine that has superior graphics uh, you know we want it to be visually uh, appealing mm -hmm. but one of the things that uh, and I think I was sharing with you earlier a little story at Christmas time companies would always send uh, calendars as you know Merry Christmas Happy oh, yeah. New Year sure and they would send aerospace calendars well there was always a fight to see who got the aerospace calendars to hang up in their in their cube well we have in our magazine, in every issue, it's unique, and I never tell people in advance what it's going to be, but we have an aerospace poster. It's either a Boeing aircraft, or now we're uh, sharing the artwork of the world's most recognized uh, aerospace artist. Uh, his name is Rick Herter, and uh, this issue, we have a beautiful poster of the, uh, the Thunderbirds, and so people are going to take that out. They're going to some of them are framing them. They're putting them in their cubes, and it's exciting. We're more than just information on the latest machinery or whatever. We tell the story of these companies, but we also add a little entertainment value to the product as well. Yeah. Well, if you can hear the crinkling of paper here, I actually have uh, issue nine in front of me, and I just pulled the, the spread out here. And, uh, man, Rick's work here is, is incredible. Thank you. Um, I like this. This is great. I think that uh, you know, combining the uh, somebody's talent of artwork with the aerospace community. I mean, that kind of plays into uh, your other magazine a little bit as well, Art Chowder. Art Chowder. Uh, so 
all my years here in Spokane, I'm kind of a Spokane native. Um, I've always been a supporter of the regional arts, uh, not as an artist, but as an art collector. And, uh, and so we have a magazine that promotes the, the artists and art businesses of the region. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually just uh, recently signed a deal where we have uh, distribution uh, in the Western United States now of that magazine. And so uh, that's exciting. But yeah, there's some perks to uh, having an art magazine and having to know the <laughs> world's best aerospace artist to uh, contribute to Northwest Aerospace News. That's great. That's great. So as you mentioned, and I've noticed as well, I'm a subscriber of the magazine and have read through many of the issues. There are some incredible stories out there, things that you wouldn't necessarily suspect came from the Pacific Northwest unless you live here, maybe. Um, what are some of the, the stories that you've run across and have written about or, or published in your magazine that have just blown you away? Well, you know... <laughs> <laughs> the easy answer is that all of them blow me away. But, yeah, <laughs> you know, there's some incredible manufacturers with incredible capabilities. But uh, a couple that are standouts. And one of the things, you know, I've got all these years of experience in commercial aircraft interiors. But now I'm interviewing people that have products that they sell into the military and products that are, you know, unmanned uh, technology and new space technology and one of the exciting things that, it, that is happening is the privatization of space technology. And uh, one company, a company called Tethers Unlimited in Bothell, Washington, we wrote an article. They created a machine that they flew up on a rocket to the space station. It's currently on the space station. It takes uh, scrap plastic, you know, they're plastic silverware or whatever it is on the space station. Oh, from the station, yeah. And they feed it into this machine where it pulverizes it and then refabricates it from a powder back into a filament. And they can actually 3D print with this filament on the space station, say a knob breaks off of a cabinet or whatever it is, they can manufacture their own products recycling their garbage in space from this piece of equipment that was built in Bothell, Washington. And I mean, you know, I, I like to say it's hardly futuristic before it's reality today. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to scoop myself in the next issue, not the one you're looking at, but the next one coming up. We're writing an article about a group of high school kids in little old Raftrum, Idaho, who competed with... Um, universities, MIT, NASA-sponsored groups uh, to build and launch what's called a CubeSat. It's a satellite that's about the size of a loaf of bread. Well, they were given that award. So here this last December, here's a group of high school kids in Rathdrum that launched a satellite that they communicate with from their classroom. Now, to think about these high school kids actually launching a satellite in space. I don't even want to tell you what I was doing in high school. <laughs> <laughs> but it certainly wasn't thinking about launching a satellite. Right. You know, um, and so, uh, you know, exciting things like that really get your blood going. I mean, this new technology, things that are taking place today, it's, it's just amazing. That's mind-blowing. And in season one of Irons in the Fire, I asked the question a lot about the labor markets of 
aerospace companies and manufacturing companies and some of the struggles that they're facing with hiring talent. And you hear a lot about we need to reach high school students, even younger than that, elementary schools, and get them intrigued with aerospace and manufacturing early. And what you're describing here, I mean, that's absolutely uh, the result of... We interviewed those kids, and not one of them uh, is seeking a mundane job. (laughs) Every one of them is going into engineering or space uh, technology or aerospace of some kind because they were inspired. They were inspired to do something very unique and cutting edge, and they are engaged as a group. It's really exciting. And you t- uh, so I think the opportunity to work in aerospace is a lot more achievable today, maybe, than, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I sometimes dreamed of being an astronaut. And it's like, at that point, it's something that was pretty, uh, pretty much a long shot. And I think today, I guess we have more access to be closer to that. Well, there's um, something going on. They're calling it the silver tsunami. So guys that are my age that have been in the industry for 25, 30, 35 years, Mm -hmm. well, they're retiring. And these are all baby boomers. And so that is a large part of the labor market that is now leaving the industry. They're retiring. Well, the schools haven't kept up with the trades. You don't go to a high school and have wood shop anymore or, you know, a welding class or Mm -hmm. typically. And so the push has always been, and there's nothing wrong with university and college and everything, but the push has always been, you know, go to college, get a degree. Well, what it's created is a very significant shortage in the trades. And um, that push, I mean, people are starting to see that difference. You can go get a two-year certificate, you know, at a, at a college, at a community college, and walk into a, you know, $50,000, $60,000 a year job in the trades right now, uh, you know, mm-hmm. the, the industry is just aching for machinists, for welders, for, you know, even people to work on a, in assembly. Um, and so, you know, yeah, there's definitely a need for that STEM education, uh, for uh, some promotion of the trade schools and that and what that has to offer uh, the young people today. I think that it's been underpromoted, we'll say. Right, right. So my next question, you have, uh, so the companies that you write about in Northwest Aerospace News, they all are companies that have sort of risen to the top in terms of quality and reputation in the marketplace, things like that. What's been the common thread that has got them there? Well, I like to tell people that Boeing has trained us. You know, Boeing wants product delivered fast, uh, so on time, uh, 100% quality, and competitively priced. Mm -hmm. And so the Pacific Northwest has over 2,000 companies that call themselves aerospace manufacturers. Wow. One of the things, one of the reasons why we have international advertisers in our magazine is because the Pacific Northwest is the super hub of aerospace manufacturing in the world. Uh, You know, uh, the number of aircraft that Boeing puts out in uh, the Puget Sound area, uh, I don't have the exact numbers, but you know, it's like 
700 plus aircraft out of the Seattle area and 14 out of South Carolina. I mean, it's uh, amazing the difference. And if you think, you know, of all of the different platforms and how many parts go on the plane and how, what kind of organization and structure and delivery, you're talking hundreds of millions of parts that have to be <laughs> built, shipped and installed in order to hit those numbers. So people in Germany and France, we've had groups from Malaysia, they all come over here and want to look under the covers and see what we've got going on over here because they want to be in this industry too. There's an estimated, um, the number keeps going up, uh, but there's an estimated $7 trillion worth of commercial aircraft manufacturing to be built in the next 20 years. Wow. So <laughs> people, and it's not very, uh, it, it's not very susceptible to market conditions because there are more people and more people that want to fly and an aging fleet of aircraft that need to be replaced. So the demand right. is there, even if the stock market isn't doing well, the demand is still there. And the fact that it, it spans internationally to you, you, that kind of mitigates some of maybe economic cycles within one country. Absolutely. I mean, if you think about it, uh, you know, we all hear about China and China doing more and more manufacturing. Well, more and more people in China are making enough money to, to want to travel. Mm -hmm. China doesn't have the infrastructure to build the airplanes that they need to travel with. So China is, you know, going to be Boeing's largest customer or Airbus for that matter. Uh, and so, you know, those things, you know, they're a given. And it's not just China. I mean, it's all throughout Asia. And, and you know, we worked on projects when I was in the manufacturing world for Singapore and for Cathay and for... Uh, Oh, just countless, mm -hmm. countless Air, Air France, uh, you know, Br British Airlines, all, all of those companies. And a lot of the work is international. Nice. That's exciting. I mean, it's a huge opportunity there. Oh, you're talking the, num the, the dollar numbers and there's obviously other opportunities uh, beyond that as well. But it's just it'll be incredible to see. So what? Uh, kind of looking at a high level here you've you've been super successful with the magazine it's reached tens of thousands and beyond it's connected a lot of great companies to a lot of other great companies it has um, just kind of blown up I don't know if you did you anticipate that this would happen um, and then what's your what's your ultimate goal for the magazine well you know when people talk about my background and everything, I tell them that I'm a serial entrepreneur in need of a 12-step program. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, we did about a year's worth of market research on and asked a lot of questions in the industry to determine whether this was a product that was needed. And there was an overwhelming response of, yes, that would be, that would be very exciting. Mm -hmm. So uh, you, you never, when you start something brand new and it's a, a completely unique model, uh, you have a lot of hopes and dreams, uh, but you can't be overconfident because it's never been done before. So uh, we are very excited with the response that we've received. Uh, you know, I get a lot of very positive feedback from 
our advertisers, from the people that we write about, uh, from our readers. Uh, you know, you've got a new copy in your hands. We just released it yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I bet you I have 30 emails today of people that have read it and have made positive comments about, you know, the articles or some company that they knew or whatever it is. I mean, so it's very exciting and humbling because, you know, I see myself somewhat as a conductor, but boy, do we have a staff of people that make me look good uh, because, you know, our, our Rebecca Lloyd, our uh, graphic designer, uh, you know, she's just absolutely amazing. She gives the magazine the look. Uh, we contract with freelance aerospace writers who do a tremendous job uh, writing the content. And so uh, it's, it's an honor to work alongside of a really committed, excited team like that. That's great. And when, here's what I'm noticing is that uh, I, I see studies out there, and I put that in quotes. You'll see why that say, you know, you know, print media is dead and newspapers are going away and all this, but people still love having the magazine in their hands, including me. I'm, I'm an, I'm a millennial, older millennial, but a millennial nonetheless. And I still love just thumbing through the magazine, having the print in my hand and being able to highlight things, circle things, that, that sort of thing. I think there's a ton of value in that and it's here to stay. I'm a big believer in what I call the pendulum theory. And, you know, there's been this huge market rise in digital advertising and digital media. <coughs> and the, uh, the way that happens, you know, how, how many of us, we download an app and the app is free, however it has ads. And mm-hmm. so those ads are blinky, flashy in your face. You got to X out of them to, uh, you know, to be able to, you know, and it gets frustrating. Mm-hmm. Same thing with digital print media. Most of them have, you know, ads and pop-ups and everything else that, you know, you kind of get frustrated trying to, you know, reach the content. You got to go through three layers of ads. Mm-hmm. And so while we have a, a digital magazine, it is exactly the same as the print magazine nothing pops up flashes in your face makes you you know x out of it to be able to read the content in our app we don't have any ads in our app the app is purely 100 percent customer service content and it also has a networking feature for companies to be able to network with each other uh, so they can download their information join our network and if they're looking for a machine shop they can pull up the app, find the machine shop. It has their website, it has their email, has you can call their phone number direct from the app, has their social media links. You know, so uh, while in some cases print may be dead, People Magazine may be you know losing <laughs> subscribers. Yeah, but we're a very focused uh, niche industry specific product, and I think like you do. People want it on their desk. They want the freedom to be able to open it up, look at it. If they don't want to look at an ad, they turn the page. Yeah. And so it's, um, you know, we feel very strongly that, uh, one, the, the feel, the hand of the magazine, we went for high quality paper and, and you know, mm-hmm. we go for very good, you know, high quality graphics and everything else. And I just, I think the pendulum's starting to swing the other way. I think that people are really starting to appreciate having a magazine that they can go to anytime they want without having to fire up their computer. Yeah, and we get inundated with digital 
media nowadays and so it's to disconnect from that what better way than to pick up a magazine so as i'm looking through these as well um there are some uh great contributors in here that come from uh various aerospace clusters or cluster Mm -hmm. groups talk about how those groups have contributed to the magazine and also contributed to the overall uh cause for the aerospace industry so um in my manufacturing days, networking has always, you know, always been the the means to uh, find new opportunities. If you're not out there and shaking hands and meeting people and and uh, looking for, you know, how can I solve somebody's problem, you know, it's going to be very difficult to be successful. And so, in launching this magazine, there are a number of member-based aerospace, what's called cluster groups. And some of them right off the top, and I tell everyone we belong to all the acronyms, uh, <laughs> but uh, PNAA, Pacific Northwest Aerospace Alliance, PNDC, which is the Pacific Northwest Defense Coalition, uh, AUVSI is the uh, Autonomous Vehicle Group, uh, INWAC, Inland Northwest Aerospace Consortium, Idaho, the ID, IDAA, Idaho Aerospace Alliance, uh, and there's several more. Uh, you know, we sponsor AJAC, which is the Aerospace Joint Apprenticeship Committee. Um, and so all of these organizations have large membership bases and they all have networking events. And we also offer them opportunities to write editorials in the magazine so that it can reach their member base and provide a value to their members. So uh, by working with all those organizations, all the acronyms, so to speak, Yeah. then we have access to a lot of those 2,000 aerospace companies that I mentioned earlier mm-hmm. uh, in the Pacific Northwest. They know who we are. We hand out magazines at their events. Uh, we sponsor a lot of their conferences. Uh, and, you know, it's their news. It's We're writing about them. We're talking about their region. Uh, teaching them, you know, who might be a potential customer and sharing that information with companies that might contact them and say, hey, we might want to bid from you. I like it. So, Dean, what are some of the great aerospace cluster events or networking events that people should be attending each year? Well, um, by the time this airs, a couple of them will have come and gone. But uh, next week, uh, uh, May 28th and 29th, uh, there's the I-90 Aerospace Conference, which is um, companies all the way, well, companies from around the United States, but the focus is Western Montana, Idaho, uh, Oregon, everything uh, east of the Cascade Mountain Range. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have speakers from SpaceX and uh, some local companies, uh, Continuous Composites uh, and others. Uh, and it's an exciting event. It'll be held at the Coeur d'Alene Resort. Uh, the largest event happens every February in Linwood, Washington, and that's with the uh, PNAA, Pacific Northwest Aerospace Alliance. And we've had over 700 uh, attendees from all around the world. We had uh, this last February, it was the snowpocalypse in Linwood, oh, Washington. Oh, that's right, yeah. <laughs> they had like 12 inches of wet snow and no snow plows and nobody had snow tires and so it was crazy and i thought that they were going to have a real light attendance 
It was record attendance. It was standing room only. I think people hired sled dogs or something to get there because <laughs> they were there. They showed up in force. We had over 200 people from Europe there. Wow. And so we sponsor that event, and everybody that shows up and gets a welcome packet and a badge gets a magazine along with it. And so... Nice. Um, not even a blizzard can keep people not from Not even, that event. you know, it's kind of like the postal... N- n- nor sleet, nor rain, nor gloom of night. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Very cool. Well, Dean, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. Thanks for taking the time to be part of Irons in the Fire. Oh, thank you, James. Appreciate it very much. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Irons in the Fire podcast, a show which explores the many facets of manufacturing and aerospace here in the Inland Empire. Also, please remember to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play by searching Irons in the Fire. And if you like the show, give us a five-star rating. More details and information about the show can be found on my webpage, ironsinthefirepodcast.com. Again, ironsinthefirepodcast.com. And be sure to spread the word. Let's continue to forge the future of manufacturing and put more irons in the fire. Until next time, thanks for listening.